Hey, everybody, you're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by ironcompany.com. Okay, so today we've got special guest Phil Scarito. Phil is the owner of Deviate Fitness, and he's an international strength and performance instructor and lecturer. So welcome to the show today, Phil. J.P., thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. We love having you come on, so thank you for that. Uh, Phil, I've known you for the past couple of years. Um, you're actually, uh, you've been remote coaching my daughter, Carrie, uh, on kettlebells and, mm -hmm. and, uh, you guys just recently had a certification and all that. She's loving everything you guys are doing. Um, but you've known Marty for a while. You guys go way back. So kind of go into that, give us some background on all that, how you guys met and, and how, how all that, uh, um, what you guys have been doing the past couple of years. Sure. So I think it was, uh, Marty, you have to correct me if I'm wrong here. I think we met at, a, at an RKC. Uh, last one I think there was in Downingtown, PA. I was, at a, I was teaching at a, the certification there. And I remember, uh, I remember Marty walking in. I think it was, um, we got introduced. And uh, I think you looked at my bodyweight squat while I was there for some reason, I'm not sure why, but, uh, that's how we, we got, we met then. And, um, I think not long after that, I went up with, uh, a few of my colleagues to, uh, Marty's, Marty's gym. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what, that was an experience. Um, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> <I didn't laughs> on many levels. All where, good. where does he start? Where does he start? <laughs> Is that the pole barn? That, no, nothing that no. fancy. Nothing no, 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 that fancy. No. Nothing oh. that fancy. It was Marty's yeah. barn. Oh, is Marty at your house? Okay. Yeah, and this was this was um, you know I I I was I you know I was I was training I was mostly doing kettlebells I wasn't really doing much barbell stuff when I met him, and uh, that was a uh, I mean I couldn't have had a better experience uh, you know being introduced to barbell training at that time, and I remember. Uh, I remember thinking I was going in thinking, man, I'm strong, you know, for my body weight, I can, you know, I could do a lot of stuff with kettlebells, but then I kind of, uh, was, uh, knocked down a few pegs. Um, once I got introduced to the barbell training and, and, you know, the way to do it right. Uh, and I remember just leaving there thinking, man, I'm sore as shit. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, you know, this is a completely different experience than what I, what I thought it would be like. And then I remember him sitting me in his, um, uh, in his kitchen, he made me a steak and uh, gave me some raw milk. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like Marty, yeah. Yeah, and man, I tell you what, I felt stronger. I walked out of that yeah. house. I swear, I, I felt like I can do anything. Yeah, and yeah. I think within, I think within eighteen months of working with Phil, uh, um, you squatted three fifty raw, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's. Weighing 145. Yeah, I, I saw you pull 405, I believe. Right. Yeah. Yep. And what, two and a quarter? Yeah. Yep. And not really, I mean, it wasn't like, wasn't like when he started with me, he was 132. And when he finished with me, he was 165. He was pretty much the same body weight throughout. I don't really think you gained. You know, no, I, I just remember the first competition I did with you. Um, 
I, I, I had the hardest time gaining weight. The hardest time. Yeah, I always have. Um, and I, you know, I don't know what, I, I, I think if I just dedicated myself to powerlifting, it would have been different, but. Um, well, you're not a, you're not a real Italian, Phil. <laughs> well, why is that? Well, oh, come on, man. He's, he's, an Italian that can't get weight. Look at those foods. Come on, man. Live on lasagna. Marty, the, 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 the morning of the competition, Marty brought in meatballs. And uh, I, I mean, I wasn't, I, I was already nervous about, about competing. I couldn't eat anything. And he's like trying to, you know, make me eat these meatballs at like, I don't know, it was like eight o'clock in the morning. And uh, yeah, it was just a, <laughs> it was a weird experience, but. But I mean, even if I, I, even though I didn't change body weight as much, I felt way stronger. I mean, there's no question that well, you were. I mean, I was <laughs> wasn't it was that wasn't a surmise on your part. No, you doubled the amount of weight that you could squat. I mean, what's uh, yeah. 150, 153? You were doing uh, I don't know two point what Jim two point two five times body weight raw squat. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a testament to you know everybody says, oh, I don't want to gain weight. I, and I know if I lift heavy, I'm like, well, Phil got stronger without gaining. Well, I mean, it's perfect, like for wrestlers and and guys who have to do things with their body weight. It what's just, that? What's that? What's that ridiculous personal trainer cliche? Oh, your scale weight hasn't changed because you're exchanging fat for muscle. Well, he didn't have any fat anyway. <laughs> well, Phil, what, Phil, what was your nutrition like back your then? What were you doing to not to gain all that strength, but not really pack on the the weight? You know, I, I don't really? know. I honestly don't because I eat I eat what I want when I want. He doesn't you know, pay. He like doesn't pay. He, he just eats whatever. You know, it's not a big deal to him. Food is just. No. A, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. not like a, it's never been that way for me. And I, I mean, I, I you know at the time I was doing a lot more kettlebell stuff, so maybe that was countering um, some of the weight gain. But I don't know. But uh, you know, you know it's just someone it's, says someone says Noki around me, I get aroused. You know, it doesn't do anything for you. No. Noki, no lasagna. Come you on. know what? So, I love it. I, believe me, I grew up with that. I grew yeah, up with that. So we, so we've been out to eat before. You you just know when to say when. It's no big yeah. deal to you. One or two beers. You know what I mean? We're up there right. cracking bottles in our heads and, and, <laughs> and shotgun and stuff. And you're just, you know, cool and calm. You don't need it, you know? No, I don't need it. Yeah. He's uh, he's the opposite of Brad Gillingham when it comes to eating. <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, Brad is very <clears throat> for his size. He's not. I mean, it takes a lot to fuel a, a giant diesel truck. Yeah, sixty-four well, shrimp. It does, and he, I've never seen anybody eat so much in my life. Shrimp, uh, you know, we we make fun and call him Shrimpy, and uh, you know, he's like six five, three twenty-five. We call him Shrimpy. It's pretty. He, he'll sit down and eat like two or three pounds of shrimp at, at, at one sitting. <laughs> he's not, and then he'll order cheesecake after that. Yeah, but he's not stuffing or showing off. He's no, just, he's not. He's just, fuel, just he's just fueling the machine. That's all. Yeah. Just, that, that's how much it takes yeah. because he's three times as big as you. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. so Phil. Oh, 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 wait, wait. This is good. <laughs> Phil, yeah. Phil and Brad were always roommates, right, Phil? Yeah. Tell them, I, I tell, tell them about your first experience rooming with Brad. I remember, the, yeah, the first time I roomed with Brad, I remember I, I was, I got in late. I, I, I came in real late that night. And I, I remember texting him. He's like, yeah, just come up. I'll leave the door open. Uh, you know, so I remember knocking on the door. I was already nervous. I'm like, it's Brad Gillingham. I'm like, this is, this is, you know, an experience. So I, I remember him opening the door and I just remember 
when he opened the door, I look, I look, I look. And you're, and you're look, you, you open the you door and Phil's looking at his crotch. <laughs> I, I literally looked up at him and he's like filled the whole doorway. He's, but, but then when he spoke, he was the nicest person. <laughs> look, he's unbelievably nice. You're like, he's, oh. he's messing with me. He's messing no, with me. No, no, he is, he is straight up 100% genuine. Like, yeah. totally tell, 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 tell him about your sleeping arrangements. Yeah, so he would. Uh, he was, so I came in, and he he's like, "Yeah, I just I just took the mattress off the bed, and and uh, I just put it by the uh, by the." Uh, <laughs> I heard about he's, this. He's like, "You can sleep in the other room." And he like pulled the mattress off. He wouldn't sleep on the bed. He put the mattress on the floor near the window. Oh, because he wanted well, to hold. Well, that double the double sliding door is wide open. Yeah, <clears throat> wide open, uh, and just that's where he slept. And then I remember, I remember getting up in the morning early and I remember him making ramen noodles or whatever the, whatever the hell he was eating. Yep. He'd open like 10 packets of ramen noodles in the morning yep. to eat. Yeah, and three pounds of chicken. And then we yeah. go to breakfast. And then we, yeah. go then we go to breakfast. Yeah. You know, it was, it was funny. Every room that I would go in, whether it was Brad's or Marty's, whatever, everything is always arranged in some different way. Like Brad's bed is over, you know, next to the balcony and, and Marty's bed is totally outside on the balcony and the couches are moved around. And I'm like, what's going on? And I was in heaven because you guys are hot all the time. I'm hot yeah. all the time. You're hungry all the time. I'm hungry all the time. Yeah. But I want to know who's, whose idea was it to, to pair up Phil Scarito of Brad Gillingham in the same room. That, that's just course, really funny. Of course, me. Oh, that was Marty. <laughs> Marty can't put up with anybody but me. That's and right. that's only for a little while. So, yeah. you know. Marty, after, after, after a while, Steele has a wonderful capacity to just clam, clam up. Yeah. Right? So we have the perfect relationship. He doesn't say anything to me. I don't say anything to him. Yeah, you know? because Marty says, okay, Jimmy, I'm tired of you. Go in the other room. And I go in the other room. <laughs> and there it goes. I love that. I, I originally I originally roomed with Marty. It was it was one night. I, that was all I had. That's all I could take. That didn't work out. It, no, it didn't. It was one night, and I remember I couldn't sleep because he was snoring so loud. So I literally got up, went downstairs, and I'm like, I need another room. It was like two on the clock in the morning. I was like, I can't. I can't there's no way I'm going to be able to sleep all night. And that was the last time. Did we, did we ever bump you with Kirk? That was me and no. Kirk. No. Yeah. No. It's always no been okay. yeah. Kirk's the, Kirk is the, the loudest snore. He's, he's the seismic. It's like earthquake. <clears throat> Now, what does he do with his furniture in the room? He see, you know, he doesn't move it. He just, you know, he doesn't sleep much. He's sort of, every time I wake up, he's sort of just sitting there looking at me. I'm like, what's up, man? <laughs> when are we getting up? Dude? I mean, he gets up. See, it doesn't matter if he stays out till four having some beverages. He's up at six, man. He's ready. Yeah. You know, he's like, all right, what are you doing? I'm going to sleep all day? I'm like, it's 530, dude. Yeah. 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 Oh, Phil, so, I want to ask you, you, you started barbell training with, uh, with Marty. So how long after that did you decide to compete? Oh, uh, I, I would say it was within the year, right, Marty? Yeah, I'm thinking pro I, I, probably within six, after. probably within six months. Yeah, it wasn't that far after. No. And you had doubled your, your lifts by six months to a year? Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That ain't no big deal. 
Well, I guess uh, because you were primarily doing kettlebells, this was such a shocker. It was almost kind of like starting fresh, kind of, but not really. And, you know, if I, I, if, I, if, I, if I could answer that, Phil was perfect because he really had no previous barbell experience. No right? bad habits, Marty. No so bad. he would. Yeah, he was a blank slate, right? He was a, yeah. cl a clean canvas. And it was just like, okay. But he was also extremely fit, extremely lean, could walk in his hands. Phil, you could like jump out of a pool, right? And get on, and land on the side yeah, deck. I've done that before a couple of times, yeah. Yeah, you can do that. He's got kind of a, Phil's got kind of a Jackie Chan gene. <laughs> him Dude, and Mike. It's like an analogy. Yeah, him and him and Mike Davis, <clears throat> you know, they're like the guys. Hey, somebody needs to climb up to that second floor. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Well, it ain't gonna be me or Brad. Right, Marty and I will be at the bar. Let us <laughs> so, so Phil, you competed once or more times? Uh, no, I did. Uh, I did two events. Uh, one was with Marty, and then one was without. And then um, that was closer to home. And then yeah. uh, that was it. Just two. Yeah. So how did you do in those? Uh, I did okay. I, I, I don't remember the, the first one. It was just because it was my first time. I didn't really, uh, I think I just remember getting a sword as my, mm -hmm. as my, did you remember that? That was the Raw United one, Marty. Oh yeah. The guy Everybody should sword. have a sword, you know, yeah, you need a sword. I need a sword. Need a sword. <laughs> I'd like a sword. Yeah. <clears throat> and the second one, I don't have you had, have you had to use it to defend yourself yet? No. <laughs> No, but I, the second one, I uh, I just went for more experience. That was more of it, uh, just to compete again, because I enjoyed it. Yeah, well, that, yeah. that's admirable, because now you can, now when you're designing how to put kettlebells in a powerlifting program, you can say, well, I don't want to do this after squat day, you yeah. know, because now you know you've done it. And that, that makes a huge difference in the training people. You know? Well, that's a question I get all the time is, can you do both? Yeah. You know, can you combine yeah. kettlebells and powerlifting? And and I always say you can, but you got your goal is your goal. Like if your goal is your powerlifting meet, you, no matter what you do with your kettlebell or whatever other tool you're using, you can't let it affect the day you're, you actually have to hit those sets of reps. That's your goal. So you could do assistant exercises, maybe some get-ups, whatever's going to, you need to warm up yeah. or to get everything flowing. But if it, if it, if it, if you can't complete your sets and reps because you did too many presses the day before, that that's that's a problem. That's a programming issue, and that's how it affects the book. That's how it affects the book. So, so as a so as a competitive bodybuilder or a competitive powerlifter, Jim's been both of those. Would where would kettlebell training fit in with his training regime during those times of, you know, bulking or or even uh, dieting or you know, is there a place in there for that or, or no? Yes, uh, kettlebell training. Are you asking me or Jim? Phil, yeah. Yeah, so, so if I would, you mean if I was training someone who was a bodybuilder? Right. Where would they, well, you know, I, I, I've never, honest, to be honest with you, I never trained a bodybuilder um, yeah. while they, you know, if they were competing. Um, so I don't know if I can give an accurate answer, but I can say that um, if I was going to, uh, use it for, you know, I probably use the kettlebell more for leaning out, uh, right. than I, for strength building. Cause I'd rather than use the bar, um, to build that absolute strength. But if, but if we're talking like leaning out or if there's a, a couple of days a week where I might have that person do some higher rep volume stuff, the kettlebell is a perfect tool for that. 
right. I think you're exactly right. And the, the kettlebell, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, it's probably way underutilized as a cardio t- uh, training tool. Um, wouldn't you say, or is that, uh, or, or a lot of kettlebell, uh, training people, you know, are they using the kettlebell to lean out, um, you know, cause Marty's got some, some, he did some stuff with a guy named Dave Whitley. Marty, yeah. you want to get into that? It's, that's interesting. Well, actually it even goes back before that to or, my work with Ori Hoffmeckler. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Ori was in addition to being a a diet genius. He was also an exercise genius. His, his wheel, his wheelhouse was sustained strength. Yeah. He dated everything back to the ancient Roman warriors that on average weighed, you know, 60 kilo, 132 pounds, but carried 35 pounds of armor. Mm-hmm. So, or he's, and also the rowers, the rowers, the, the little guy rowers back then, they weren't slaves. That was like you wanted a seat on a Trium ship because you got a cut of the loot. Right. So they had tryouts for that. And they set rowing records back then that had not been surpassed to this day. By the Olympic rowers couldn't survive. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And these were little; these were a bunch of little guys, right? And, and Ori's thing was, oh, because they built hybrid muscle fiber, had, uh, had the best attributes of fast twitch, but it had the duration attributes of slow twitch, and it was hybrid. It was in between. And that by doing this sustained exercise with a, a, a light payload, you built this hybrid muscle fiber. Oh, wait a minute. That's exactly what Len Schwartz told me 10 years before when he was talking to me about heavy hands. And he said, oh, at University of Pittsburgh lab, we found out that putting some payload in conjunction with a cardio event creates a hybrid muscle fiber. It's like, oh, so Len said it and Ori said it. Okay. And their, their strategy was the same. It's like put a very light payload into continual motion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did he repeat it also? Wasn't he a special forces guy, Marty? Who? Ori was. Yeah. yeah Ori so came he from that background. That he, too, where, hey, I'm in the desert. I'm carrying all this armor. I got all this stuff. You know, how am I going to do this all day long? Yes. And it's heat. And, yeah. Yeah. So yes. he took the old ways and the new ways yes. and melded them together. Yes. And what, what do we need to be the most, I hate the word, but most functional soldier, you know? Oh, and then hooked, and then hooked it up with a diet that says eat less. Yeah. Right. Decent perfect for, day. perfect for, for, uh, for, uh, mm-hmm. the, 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 the military archetype is different than the athletic archetype. Right. Right. So Ori had that down. Uh, but now go up to Dave Whitley. Now we know Dave, or I know Dave. Phil knows Dave. Dave is a big yeah. husky bear guy. He's, I don't know, what do you think, Phil? Six foot, five, ten, two, forty, two, fifty. Uh, yeah, I would say it's pretty accurate. Very thick, heavy boned kind of a guy, but he's fit. Yeah. Right? He's a little thick, he's a little thick skinned, but that boy can go all day. He's like, I don't know, like an NFL lineman or a rugby player, you know, like a Samoan, a Samoan rugby player. You know, there might be a little thick looking, but man, they can run up and down that field all day. 
And so Whitley put, I think it was a 54. He put a 54 in motion and I think he was able to keep it going one way or another for like, I don't know, 45 minutes. Yeah. You know, and, and his, his calorie per minute burn rate was astronomical. It was like three to four times what a normal human would be able to generate. Now, a lot of it was because of his sheer size. You burn a hell of a lot more calories when you weigh 245 than when you weigh 145, right? Yeah. It takes more, more calories to move the machinery, the more bulk. Energy, yeah. yeah, more bulk because you get a bigger mass to move. So, uh, but still, you know, it's just like this whole idea about, you know, uh, and the founder of the kettlebell movement in this country was always famous to say, oh, aerobics is a disgrace. And I said, you know what? I think that's short-sighted. <clears throat> I think that, that taking a, a light kettlebell and putting it in a continual motion, you can get a, a, a sweat-drenching cardio workout standing in place, right? Yeah. I, I think it's an underutilized angle. Now, and I would also suggest hook up with a heart rate monitor and see what's going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Phil? Yeah, there's so many variations with the bell. You, the key is you just have to find that right bell size for you, where you are currently in your fitness level. So, for example, Dave Whitley, he's a grip guy. So he has strong hands, uh, really strong grip. So he's able to, you know, even though his size, he's still able to manage a bell, uh, you know, for a period of time because of his grip. A lot of people have weak grip. So that affects the rest of the body. So one of the, th that's another comparison is I always use the kettlebell first to kind of assess the grip uh, before I get somebody into barbell training, even if that's their goal. Um, because I'd rather get their grip strong doing that, doing carries, doing like complexes where they have to manage tension and then get them into the barbell work after. Um, but yeah, going back to that, that's the great thing about the, the bell is that it's very fluid. You know, I can hold the bell in the rack position for 10 seconds, do some push presses, do some cleans, do some swings, go to the other side. So it's a constantly moving element, like Marty was saying, and that, and that whole time you are, you're building conditioning, you're build, building endurance and part of it, you're building strength as well. Um, so sustained sustain strength, sustained strength. Yeah. So I think that it's, it's definitely a tool that's underutilized in that aspect. And um, I, I think, you know, it's been taught in so many, there's so many different styles now. And I've been, I've been really studying a lot more over the past probably couple of years, getting more into the GS style and just, just learning more about their system. Uh, Time out. What, what is GS? I have no clue. So the Gearvik Sport, which oh, is the what? Russian. So that's where you, you see the lot, you know, the 10 minute clean and jerk. Uh, competitions. No, where, I've, I've never yeah. seen, I've never seen such a thing. I live yeah, in a cave. Yeah. yeah. You gotta, you gotta check it out. It's, it's, no, it's, uh, no, we don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to learn from other systems. I'll tell you what, it's not just all hard style. There's a mix there. There's a, there's a mix there that when you add both, that's to me, the true answer. Um, it doesn't always have to be hard style. It doesn't always have to be GS. I think you can blend in both worlds. Well, what do they do? Well, if think of it this way, if you look at uh, the, a GS style snatch as, as opposed to a hard style snatch, 
you're going to see a lot of different differences because uh, they're going more for endurance, right? So they, they well, what do they do? Energy. Give us an example of what 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 so they do. The, 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 the groups do, like do the they group. do body weight? Do they do body weight competition? No, no, no. This is all this is all heavy bell stuff. This is like when you go to a competition, you're using you know a ma- I think the master level is thirty double thirty twos. What's that? Clean and jerk ten minutes. What's that in pounds? Thirty two, sixty four, seventy. So what do we say it again? So imagine doing double 32 kilo clean and jerks for 10 minutes. Well, what's that in pounds? That's 70 pounds each. So that's 140 pounds. Okay. For 10 minutes. And what, what kind of body, what kind of body weight are these guys? Uh, all they, all I, I, they range all over the place. So, I mean, that's the cool thing about the GS is that you, you have, you have smaller guys that can push 32s up. No problem. Yeah. It's all technique. But yeah. the cool thing about it is when you, when I, when I throw that out to you, to the audience, when you're thinking 140 pounds in a rack position, clean and jerk for 10 minutes, guess what? You can't hard style that. <laughs> you, no. you, you're managing tension at that point. You're not trying to create it. Well, you're, you're, you know, there's a lot of it is catch and throw. I mean, no, throw and catch, throw and catch, momentum right. and catch, momentum and catch, momentum and catch, you know. Exactly. You know, catch catch it on the way down, catch that energy, reverse that energy on the way up, and and yep. yeah, you get you get good at that. But still, uh, it's excruciating. I mean, I can imagine that the guys must be killing themselves. You know, to to just the last ten minutes. And you, and you know, if Phil's using that weight, that's pretty much his body weight, right, Phil? Well, he that's ain't. My, pretty much my body weight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but. Like I said, there's, the, I, I just wish that both, and I guess this goes with a lot of things in fitness. Everybody thinks that their system is the best system or the only system for anybody, you know, but everybody's different. <laughs> so you, you got to train people, you got to train people individually. So that's why I think there's a, a combination between the two that at least I've tried to incorporate um, into my training. <clears throat> well, this is, this is very, very similar to what Ori his training style, he would do, or he would do things like he'd get on a stationary bike and get going. And then he'd take a pair of light dumbbells and start repping. Mm-hmm. And he might go 20 minutes, you know what I mean? Uh, and so this is a similar kind of, we're going to build this sustained strength. I would imagine having never seen it, that it builds a very, very lean functional physique. Yeah, it does. And you'll, and, and the, the, the crazy thing is, is over the past couple of years, as I've improved my jerk technique with bells, you have to, you, you have to use your legs. That's the one yeah. thing I, yeah. that's the one missing component of all this is that I, I thought I knew how to jerk. I thought I knew how to push press. And then mm-hmm. when I started working with somebody who, who said to me, you know what, you're working way harder than you need to yep. start using your legs more, man, I'll tell you what, my leg strength just skyrocketed, just doing, just driving into the floor, under the bells, into the floor, under the bells, every yeah. rep. Yeah, you coil, you coil on the, on the eccentric and then you explode on the concentric yeah. and it, you, after you're done, your leg tired. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> And, and I've noticed those who do this in the hard style method, I'm not knocking the hard style, but I'm just saying that. Well, what is the difference? I don't know what hard style, what do they so, do? I have no so clue. It's, it's more of a, I would say a hard style to sum it up is more for that, that one punch, one kill strategy. 
right? What, what does Where that mean? What does you're, that mean? You're, you're expending most energy in one rep, one to one to you know low reps, but it's intense. Well, if you've got to do something for ten minutes, that doesn't make much sense. No, it doesn't. Exactly. So a combination of the two would be good, though. Combination is, I think, the key. Um, so then, so then you last, then you last for six minutes. Yeah, maybe. Um, maybe. maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe you last for three minutes. To be, you know, there's the tech, technical part of it. There's the technique part, and I just think that there's that. I think for the general population, um, even athletes, and I would even say military, is a, is a, is an excellent application. Is the I, mix. Uh, you, you know, you know what we found the problem with Ori's strategy was, and also you find the same thing with this strategy is it takes a very special person to be able to do 10 minutes of something and somehow get enjoyment out of it mm -hmm. uh, because it's, it's painful. It's, uh, it's, it has to be painful. And it's like, how much of this do you do? Do you do this three times a week? Do you do this mm -hmm. every day? Uh, how often do you do it? Uh, you know, what's the toll on you? Mm -hmm. learning it are you egoless enough to get to basically i mean try to do 10 minutes of something with nothing in your hands yeah try pressing and riding a bike with nothing in your hands yeah yeah but 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 each rep push push it push a hand overhead yeah, that's yeah. What I'm okay doing. see if you can keep that up for 10 minutes yeah. with nothing well so, let me yeah let me clarify i'm not saying that everybody needs to do the 10 minute clean and jerk that's just for that specific sport. That's their style. That's that's their testing. When I use this for general population, I just I am a really big believer on the push press and teaching people how to press, get the bell overhead comfortably, and then how to figure out how to use their legs at the same time and absorb that energy. That's my goal. So I may have them do you know ten to fifteen reps. It depends on where they are. I don't. I'm not doing ten minute cycles here with everybody because I agree with you it takes a certain <laughs> mindset to get into that space and be able to maintain that. And uh, quite, quite literally starting with just empty hands, mm -hmm. you know, that's the only way that you get to have the tiniest dumbbells in your hands. Right. And that's the thing too, is you can do dumbbells with these. You don't, you're not limited to just kettlebells. Yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so, so, well, let's get back to what you were talking about, about your programming. Uh, how, do you see, um, how often are you typically, what type of training template are you creating for your, let's let them necessarily pick a beginner. Let's say that somebody that comes to you with a fair, fair degree of athletic background and they're looking, hey, you know, I want to take my game to the next level. I'm the club class B racquetball champion and you know I want to be yeah. you know you know blah blah yeah. and they weigh 200 pounds and they pack in a what 18 percent body fat percentile and mm -hmm. they used to be really lean in high school but that was 14 years ago yeah so now here you go Phil yeah so basically what I'll do with every single student no matter who you are is when you come in I always set a baseline first so basically what that means is I say like what do you want to accomplish this is like, all right, I want to increase my endurance or whatever the case, work capacity, whatever the case may be. And I will take a baseline test of how they move first. So I'll give them a series of movements and I'll just watch them move and basically see how they interpret a hinge to be. What do they interpret? Can you get your hands over your head? 
what do you do when you put your hands over your head? Does your neck go forward? Do you lean back into extension? All kinds of things like that. I'll just observe first. And then once I have a good baseline, then I can start working on some compound movements, which basically means um, I'll, I'll teach them how to hinge. I'll teach them to be, bring more awareness to their feet. You know, I'll get them deadlifting with kettlebells first. Um, I'll have them do carries, rack carries, cleans, snatches. I start getting all those um, into the session just to kind of, you know, set the baseline to see where they're at. Um, Condition wise, you know, if they can, can you swing, can you do swings for 10 to 20 reps at a time without your form breaking down? So all this time I'm observing, gathering information as much as I can. And then I always, always introduce the push press, the clean and push press. Um, and that's where I'll start. That's where I will start the programming. So that will mean, you know, re-clean each time, push press, get the bells overhead, re-clean. And I do maybe sets of eight to 10 reps like that. And just to see how they manage their load. And when they get tired, what happens when they break down? Um, and then at that point, I start, in, then it, if they're proficient in the push press, then I'll introduce the jerk. And then I start working that. And, and I'll probably do that at least two, two, three days a week, depending on what other stuff they're doing. They're going to be push clean and push press in at least two days a week minimum. That's um, reps. Uh, what's that? sets and reps so so i will vary this up so sometimes they'll do uh clean and push press for say uh go eight to ten reps per set for maybe four to five sets is that, with, not, is that progressive or static uh no that's static and then and then what i'll do is um sometimes i'll go for time so i'll say okay well let's go for one minute you can't put the bells down. You got to stay, keep the bells on the rack. But when you're ready, you're going to re-clean and you're going to push press again. Is this single, single or double? Uh, sometimes it's both. It depends on, it depends on uh, the week. Sometimes I'll go single bell. Sometimes I'll go double bell. So I constantly vary up um, all of those elements. I don't stay with doubles. That's it strictly with doubles the whole time. Um, I would imagine you see a pretty significant um uh, left side, right side difference in normal yeah. people. Oh yeah, definitely. What, uh, what, what, what kind of variance are you, I mean, if you could put a percentage on it, I mean, if not anybody weird or anybody extreme, not an outlier, but in a normal person, are they like five to 10% different between their strong side and their weak side? Oh, I'd say it's greater. Okay. What would, would you, what would you think? I would say probably, I would say probably up in the 30, 40%. There's Ooh, a difference. In yeah, because, wow. And it stems from, uh, you know, grip. Grip is a huge component of that. Um, you know, somebody can hold on to a bell for two minutes on the right and 30 seconds on the left. I mean, that's a big Whoa. problem. So, like, you know. What, 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 do you, what do you attribute that to? Uh, I attribute that to basically just um, it, a lot of it could be past injury history. So some people have had elbow, wrist, shoulder issues um, on one side. They just, they just naturally want to just use their stronger side to pick stuff up. They don't even think about it. Um, it just happens. And uh, so grip is a huge factor in, in the sessions. And that's something that I'm always attacking, uh, whether it's hanging, whether it's farmer carries, whether it's just holding weight with a dumbbell and walking with it. Um, that's one thing that they're always doing in their sessions because it's a major factor in the rest of their body. 
I mean, you know, if you can't grip something, you can't hold onto a bar. You can't hold your body weight up on a bar. You can, there's a lot of things you can't do, and it affects the neck, the shoulder, the elbow, uh, all kinds of stuff. It's like a chain reaction. So, well, you know. And, and the, the imbalance, that the 30 to 40% imbalance, I mean, that's huge. I mean, you would typically find that on somebody that doesn't really have any training or is not currently training, right? And they're coming in and just from being right-handed, like you said, I mean, you're just using your right hand pretty much through life. So your, your left side gets weak. So you're going to see that on people coming in with not much training experience. And you would start to see that that decrease, right, Phil? That difference after a right, while? Right, over time it, as you train. Yeah, it happens pretty quick, Jim. If, yeah. you, if they're training right, if they're like, you know, they're, you'll, you'll see it happen. And it, that, that gap will narrow pretty significantly and yeah, quickly. You can see it. Like I see it. I train college mm -hmm. baseball kids. Huge difference between their throwing side and their non-throwing mm -hmm. side. Yeah. Tennis mm -hmm. players, squash, all those people, man. It's, it's uh, you know, it takes a while, but once, yeah. And, and, but once it does happen, they're like, wow, I, I must never use that arm. And you think about how much volume. What, what do you do? do with their what, strong arm. what do you do, Jim? What do you do to correct that? I mean, here they come, you come to, yeah. Cause like a baseball pitcher. Oh my God. They got to, I mean, they have to fling like, yeah, you're not having them do more on one on their weaker side, are you? It's just kind of no, but, but I do no. So we do the basic barbell list, but then we do unilateral stuff too. Um, uh, I'm not sure what helps the most. I'll be honest with you. After all these years, um, eventually that stuff gets closer, starts to even out by just doing all the training because forcing them to use that arm and they haven't been. Yeah. That side. But I do unilateral stuff sort of as an insurance thing. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, my, my, my thing about the grip, man, and, and I can use this as personal experiences, you know, I started doing the 300 swings a day. I probably did that for six weeks Yeah. Um, after talking to Donnie Thompson, who I, I know Pavel got with Donnie, you know, all this stuff. And I called Donnie because he's a friend of mine. I was like, how big of a kettlebell? And what do you, he said, man, just do the swing and get the 54 pound or whatever. And my grip and I, I never was i never lost a deadlift or anything in a meet but i could tell in my size of my forearms especially my weaker arm my left arm how much bigger that got from doing the 300 swings i mean uh mm -hmm. that's a lot of volume each day but that's a lot of gripping, a lot of gripping. A, how, how often were you doing that once a day once a day i would do every like, day yeah for how, six how would you how would you break it out you wouldn't do it 300 in a row yeah 300 in a row 300 in a row. No, no, no. That's a 50. But I wouldn't stop and start late. I'd do sets of 50. Sets of 50. Yeah. Which, which in one session? So I would do 300 in a session, six sets of 50. Good. Yeah. How long did that take? Man, it doesn't take long at all, man. I don't even know. I'm not nothing. I'd take a minute between sets and go again. I remember one time my son and I, he was about eight, and we went way out in the country, went to this cabin and we're fishing on the eastern shore. And I was, he was like, dad, let's go, let's go. And I said, I got to do my 300 swings, man. Just, just go inside, get everything ready. And by the time you walk back outside, I'll be ready to go. And it was probably 10 yeah. minutes, something like that. Yeah. Um, but, what, but what was the goal, Jim, of doing it every single day? Because it goes against everything we do with barbell training. You, well, the, the you load is not on your spine. The load, you, so my thing about recovery is if you are axial loading, if there's a bar on your back or if you're, and if you're, you know, picking up a heavy weight and that's going to take mm -hmm. a long time to recover, but a 54 pound dumbbell, you know, or mm -hmm. a kettlebell is not that heavy. And I, you know, it's not, it's some strain on your low back, but it's not that much because it's really more hip snap, hip snap, hip snap. Yeah. You know? So were you, like, were you like like less, gassed less, out? 
Oh yeah, I'm sweating. I'm breathing. Really quick, you so I use that. So what I do is I would just take the 54 pounder, throw it in the back of my truck. You know, there's no gyms even. You know, within an hour. Um, so I was like, okay, here's going to be my workout: push-ups and 300 swings. You just know? don't hit the brakes too fast, huh? With that kettlebell in the back. <laughs> no, it just rolls all around. I don't, you know. <laughs> you don't want it going through your back window. No. I want to find out. I'm curious. Where does kettlebell training and resistance training intersect? Where are they the same? Because I'm hearing, well, Jim's doing the uh, the swings every single day. Phil's talking about, you know, eight to 10 reps. You know, I have questions. Are we going to absolute failure on kettlebell training? I mean, Phil, where, where does it intersect? Where do they kind of match up? Where do they meld together? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily go to failure on, on, on the sets when I'm doing this. I, I always want to, I always want to leave a little in the tank because I have more to do with that student during the hour. So I don't want to fatigue them out completely doing clean and push press. Yeah. You want uh, to come back to Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I'm, I don't want to get them to the point where they're unsafe now trying to get the bells over their head because they're trying to reach a certain rep. I don't really care about that. Um, but um I, you know, I, that's the thing about kettlebells is that you, Jim, you said it like it's different when, when you're, when you're going for a barbell deadlift, right. And you're squatting, you're given everything you have, right. I mean, your body is working to the max and you need to recover from that. It's a completely different, it's a completely different feeling than the kettlebell, the kettlebell you can do every day. You can do it every day and you can do a high volume every day. Initially, your body has to adjust to the hinge and you're going to be sore because you're not used to the movement um, in a ballistic nature, but your body adapts to it pretty quickly. And um, it's something you can do every day. It's not, it's not, um, you know, something where you necessarily have to only do two, three days a week. I mean, I use them every single day. Um, All right. Well, somebody wanting to, somebody comes to you and says, look, I want to, I'm very weak. I want to increase my strength. How often a week, how many times a week are you having them? I'm I'm very weak, Phil, help me. Uh, I would say two to three, two to three days a week. My average student sees me two days a week. For what, an hour a session? For about, about, about 45, 50 minutes. Yeah. And they're not doing complete, they're not doing using kettlebells the whole time. There, there's a mixture of uh, sometimes there's some barbell work in there. Sometimes there's body weight. Sometimes there's kettlebell. So okay. they're not strictly doing bells the whole time. But I would say so you are. What's that? So you are. Te- you, all right. So I heard you say that earlier. You are teaching them the, the different. So you're teaching them uh, barbell deadlift, squat and bench press. Are you doing all that, too? No. So it depends on the person. It depends on the person and where they are. Um, if I, I always have them, if let's say you have a new student, if I have a new student and they want to learn a barbell deadlift, I do not have them barbell deadlift right away. I have them work on kettlebell hinges, swings, all of that stuff first for at least two to three weeks. Yeah. And then, and I'll load that deadlift with the kettlebell pretty heavy up at least to their body weight. Um, because then I can see how they manage, you know, two bells, how their grip is. And that's a great carryover into the barbell deadlift. So at some point, yes, I always have students use the bar at some point when they're ready. Cause I do feel that they're, that's the perfect blend. Like Marty was saying in the beginning that, you know, I think combining the barbell, the body weight and the kettlebell is a, is you you can't beat it. I mean, it's, 
you can't beat it. You can't. Um, and unless you're competing, you know, in bar in a powerlifting meet, that's different because you have to do your programming differently, but you still can manage all three elements. Mm. Or if you're competing in that Grifka thing, you can cut back in your powerlifting. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that's right. You push, uh, push and back off on what your goals are. Exactly. I used it this morning. So I have this kid who pulled his SI joint three or four days ago. He's a college baseball pitcher. Uh, really one side he had pitched heavy the night before and, and bottomed out on a squat. And uh, so today I had, he must've done 10 sets of five of goblets, just focusing on his back position, just focusing on not letting his butt come underneath him too much, you know, just focusing on that. And then I put, you know, really light barbell on his back and he was warm and his hips felt great. And his yeah. SI joint felt great, but it was, it was a key to get that work in where the bar, where the, goblet squat is already over the middle of your foot so there's no lean he's straight up and down that's right um, yeah. and so as a postural yeah. exercise and as a warm-up exercise and coming off an injury so you know you got 120 football kids so when i was at penn you know you got the injury report every day it's three pages and it's uh hey no axial loading so get the kettlebell we're going to put two benches uh you know, a little bit apart, you're going to stand on the benches and now you're going to do your deadlifts with the kettlebell in your hand, right? Yeah. Now you get that full range of motion or, Hey, you're, you're going to do goblets today and tomorrow you'll squat. You know, that's what I used it a lot for, or as a, as a, a warm up, we would do swings as a warm up. Everybody has a partner and a kettlebell. You're yeah. doing, um, you know, 10 <laughs> jump squats, you're doing 10 swings and then we're switching and it's a lot better. You've been sitting there doing leg swings and all this stuff that they're bored and, thinking about their girlfriends or whatever, this is, they have to actually focus. And it's very similar to what they're going to do next. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And when you're training groups, when you're training groups that I think, that, you know, dumbbells and, and kettlebells are the best tools, obviously. I mean, you can't, you can't train 30, I mean, you could, in a, in a, if you have a big enough gym and, and power racks, but not everybody has that luxury. So you, you're still getting your students strong. Um, you're teaching them a lot of lessons that they can carry over when they get into the power rack. You know what I'm saying? When they when they start learning how to actually move some heavy weight. Well, when we do our seminars, what do we do, Marty? Goblets, yeah. man. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's, the key, squat, that's, that's the key to everything. If you can't gobble squat correctly, you don't get to graduate to front squatting. And yeah. when we go to do the special forces guy and Phil does his work with them, they love the mobility aspect of it mm -hmm. because they're all banged up. And with the kettlebell, you can move it around. It's not this static thing. So they're doing swings and they're doing presses and they're doing get-ups. And man, they get done with that. And they're like, okay, now I'm ready to, to do the barbell. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's that mobility stuff that they don't usually have. Explain, uh, explain to us, Phil, the rationale for doing the Turkish get-up. <laughs> yeah. Torture. So, <laughs> the get-up itself is, to me, is a, is a mobility movement combined with um, strength, a little bit of some strength work, because <clears throat> essentially you're managing tension below the bell the whole time. Right. And you're, and, and, and so you're rolling, you're, you, you're in a, there's so many different postures. When you think of the get up itself, you're in so many different postures. I had, I, I heard, I forget who it was, might've even been the boss. Tell me, I think there were like 21 different, uh, distinctive positions in the Turkish get up, or maybe it was 17, but it was a really high number. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know if, I'm, I mean, uh, that's high, but I, I think that you can, you can create and you can modify the get up in, <clears throat> in so many different ways based on who you're working with. Yeah. But think about it. 
you know, you have a rolling aspect to it. You're on your elbow, you're on your hand, you're sliding your leg through. So you need hip mobility. You're in a split stance position mm-hmm. for a period of time. You're standing, you're reversing yeah. lunge. Yeah. So yeah. there's like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's like 17 different percent postures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and right. for, for, your, for any athlete, you know, they're in those positions, you know, at some point they're in some of those positions. So, and it's the balance and the precision. You can't goon it up. Shoulder stability, man. Yeah. Shoulder, Shoulder stability. stability. Open up the T-spine. I mean, look, there's, but to me, the, 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 the benefit is just, is, um, you know, having, even getting them through do body weight without even a bell. Yeah. Um, I've done courses where we've had people partner up and just do for 10 minutes, you go, I go mm. and just go back and forth, you know, and, and you, you're so warmed up and ready to go. It's just such a great move to do. You don't, yeah. need you can do them with dumbbells. You can do them with a gallon of water. All this, this COVID time, I, I, students didn't have weights. I just had them do a gallon of water. Yeah. Hold the water overhead and do a get up. And Phil, I mean, think about it. That's an advanced abdominal exercise. People are oh, tired yeah. of doing planks, and you know, you do a plank for five minutes and all that. Man, do a couple get-ups with a with a kettlebell, yeah. and your abs are because you're working your abs the way they're supposed to work by statically contracting and holding you upright. You got to stand up, you know, yeah. and you're holding yeah. that kettlebell overhead. That's the way your abs are supposed to work. Then, then you then you got to lower back down with tension. Yeah, it is a great ab exercise. I would encourage everybody, if they're, you're tired of doing the same old boring stuff, try some get-ups. Yeah, and you know what? Don't get, in, and I would advise everybody who's listening, don't get caught up on having it be perfect. Right. You know what I'm saying? Just move, you know? Get a, a reasonable weight overhead that you're comfortable with. Yeah, I like that. And just move. Yeah. Like, you know, I think we're getting caught up in this. So, you know, you have to be in these certain exact positions. <clears throat> um you know, I'd rather just have you move through it. And then those that over time, you'll awesome. start perfecting it. Phil, we're, we're, we're yeah. so much better after a hundred reps than we are with zero reps. We're so much better after a thousand reps than we are with a hundred under our belt. We're so much better with 10,000 reps under our belt. You know, that's really what it comes down to. Phil, Phil, what kind of weight are you using on the, uh, the Turkish getup during your training? Uh, so, my average bell size goes from about, I would say, 20 kilo to 28 kilo mm-hmm. in my training. I'll, I'll vary that up. Sometimes when I feel really good, um, on days I feel really good, I got sleep, I'm hydrated, you know, I just feel good. Those are the days I'll push it and I'll go 36, 40 kilo, um, maybe a few on each side just to test myself. Um, I think I think me, Marty, and Jim ought to all try after we're done. We try a 28 kilogram Turkish getup ourselves yeah, and see how we do. I, I'm going to be trying a 16 ounce <laughs> Budweiser, baby Budweiser. What? What? Uh, Marty, you a, put it in your Marty. Do that, man, or maybe a maybe a double deuce. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I do. You, it. And when you can finish the rep, you get to drink it. 24 ounce. There you go. There you go. Can. Great idea. Walk down. Uh, you know walk. what? I'm going to walk. Yeah, anyway, go ahead. Walk down that little bar. And <laughs> yeah. Buy, buy the founders, man. That's what I'm talking about. Get you some crab mac and cheese. Oh, stop. Stop. Um, Phil, what's the most common goal that people, they come to come to you, uh, want to do remote coaching or whatever? Uh, what's, the, what's the most common goal people have? They want to get stronger. They just want to move better. What is it? I, I would say the number one is uh, just getting stronger. 
That's mm-hmm. it. Because I get a lot of um, referrals from PTs. So the, a lot of students that come to me have been injured by either training before or sport or activity they've done before. And now they're kind of in a bad period where they're just like, I can't move. Um, my mentally, my mentally, especially now during this time, you, nobody's moving. Um, you know, you're stuck in your house all day. You're sitting down all day. Everything's getting, everything's just getting worse. So, you know, they just want to get stronger and, and they want to get out of pain every day. <laughs> they don't want to be in pain or have to compensate or not be able to pick up a bag of groceries or, you know, something like that, where they're worried about, well, is this going to take my back out? Right. You know? Um, so that's, I would say it's probably 70%, 65% to 70% is that for me. And then the rest are high level instructors that come to me for specific, you know, I want to learn how to jerk. I want to do some barbell deadlifts. I want to get ready for this certification. And I would say the rest is, is percentages of that that come to me and athletes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about injuries? You've seen the most, uh, injuries probably in the back area. Uh, I would say the number one would probably be shoulders. Shoulders, okay. Um, I'd say shoulder just because everybody's posture is really poor. So uh, what's a good way to rehab the shoulder with the kettlebell? Uh, carries. Do carries? Farmer carries. Get them in the right position. Get them to feel what it's like to actually stack their shoulders over their hips. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and without moving their neck to compensate or shrugging. And just push those bells down to the floor and walk. Well, Marty, you remember what Phil's always saying when he trains the special forces guys, stay stacked. We want everything stacked. We want, you know, yeah. just like we talk about when we take the bar off on a squat, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we want to keep the, uh, all the discs aligned in the spinal right. column. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, so the carries, uh, you know, that's a common, I use, I use uh, uh, other tools like Indian clubs and stuff like that. I'll use for more mobility stuff for the shoulders. Um, but those are my two go-to. Now the, the Indian clubs explain those, Phil. So they look like, um, they look like base, like a shortened baseball bat or a bowling pin basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, essentially what I, what they are is, is uh, they're, they usually range from about one to five pounds um, usually made of wood and the, the motions that you use with them are basically circular patterns. So it's something that you don't normally get in your training because a lot of it's push pull squat. You don't get, you don't get the circular fashion. So if you were to just take your arms and do circles with them, yeah. basically that's sort of the, some of the movement patterns that you, you start to work with the Indian clubs and, and I've used them. I use those every day. I use them. every student of mine has them from athletes to kids to elderly. Um, and I found them to be probably the best tool to get around uh, people that have had issues with the shoulder, neck, uh, you know, tears where they're able to actually move their shoulder without any pain. But add so and it's a great bridge to overhead movements. So I'll use someone who wants to go overhead, but they can't because of an injury. If they're cleared by a PT, I'll have them start with carries. I'll have them start with Indian clubs every single session. And within probably two to three sessions, they're able to get their arm over their head without any pain. Yeah, because you think about it, you get a lot of athletes, especially if they've been doing a lot of benches, a lot of inclines, who can't get that overhead where your bicep is even with your ear or slightly behind it. You know, and that Indian, that would help with that, wouldn't it, Phil? Absolutely. You're in in a – like if I I were to tell you to hold your arm over your head – Right. Everybody can do this. 
and then just bend your basically bend your elbow take your 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 hand and bring it down to where the back of your neck is right and then look to your right so your your elbows off to your side and then very slowly lower your shoulder your arm yeah that's where your shoulder should be uh, and it's going to feel a lot awkward for a lot of people. It's almost like you're pushing your chest out, but that's actually where your shoulder should be. Well, my shoulder just fell off. So is that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but every single, so basically I use that as an example because every rep with an Indian club puts you into that position. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the position for the shoulder girdles. I think the first time I saw Indian clubs was probably about 10 or 12 years ago. I was, uh, um, I was down at a, a gym in Santa Monica, California. The guy's name is uh, Brad Bowes. That uh, he trains Robert Downey Jr. and all these other guys. He always had the coolest, the latest tools and and gimmicks and everything and all this stuff. And I, I saw him there for the first time. Sounds, sounds like my garage. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of gimmicks. Um, but I thought, you know, those are real interesting. And I saw the bamboo bar for the first time down there too. So he had all these cool kind of tools that I saw for the first I'm afraid time. To, I'm afraid to ask, what is the bamboo bar? Oh, you haven't seen that? The bamboo I, bar? It's uh, it's so it's at, they have other versions now, tsunami bar and all that stuff. But the tsunami bamboo bar, bar, a tsunami bar. That's gotta be okay. better than a bamboo bar. So imagine an Olympic bar yes. looks just like an Olympic bar made out of bamboo. Wow. And it's got slots in the end where you can put rubber bands and those big thick bands, and then you can hang kettlebells. Well, when you do a press with that, wong, it is wong, so wong, wong. <laughs> huh? Going, going, yeah. going. Yeah, exactly. Going, well, going. you know, you know how we always talk about grinding out, you know, uh, the making lightweights heavy and all that. Uh, you can't, no. you can't explode with that stuff. You'll no. kill yourself. You have to be so controlled and and wow. stabilize this thing as you're lifting. I bet I you would am, love it. It's fast. I am so behind the times. Now, what is the tsunami bar? Same thing, but now it's Same. made out of metal. Same thing. Uh, Same thing, yeah. But, but it, it, it wouldn't have the whip, would it? The, the bamboo would have a lot of lot of boing. I think the tsunami boing. bar has got more whip to it, right, Jim? Really? When it for, Marty, when it first came out, I actually cut bamboo down in my parents' yard and brought them back to Penn and we use that. And guys would get, so what, you know, Bill Starr and I always, I still follow his approach with the overhead press for rotator cuff stability. So what that does is you, you know, you, you press that bar overhead. Now the bar is balanced. So you can hold that for a little while. Lock it uh, out, now, yeah. now overhead with that bamboo bar, tsunami bar. Now that's even firing them more to stabilize your shoulder. Right. Cause you got to contract harder. Right. 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 Yeah. Now we have other things now. We have these uh, sin rings. So they're like a, a barbell collar and they're on, I think it's like a, uh, what is it? It's like, um, what is it? Uh, it's like mesh or something that hangs down. It's got a clip on the end and you can, mm. you can clip on uh, different plates. Kind of turns your regular Olympic bar into the same thing. Gives it uh, the instability uh, same kind of concept, right. and that's a much cheaper option. But uh, there's some cool stuff out there. But no, I saw saw hey, these hey, Indian th clubs years ago. JP, excuse me for one minute. This stuff is yeah. not as good as Arnold's arm blaster. I had that too. I think we, <laughs> I think we still sell that. Uh, hey, hey, Marty, 
Weeder said he sold all those just from that picture with Arnold doing it. Yes. You know, picture the striations everywhere. Yes. Nine ninety nine. If you have an original JP, that thing is worth a fortune. <laughs> Phil, do you ever include the ar arm blaster with uh, kettlebell training? <laughs> I don't even know what the arm blaster is. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, you sure a baby. You're a baby. I'm gonna check this out. Anyway, so I yeah, we started selling uh, Indian clubs way back then. Did real well with them. Phil, you bring them in now. You're getting them like right from India. You're getting the real stuff now. Yeah, we are. We we found a local supplier there, uh, you know, to support local business and also, um, you know, to get it from the actual uh, origin or where it originated. Yeah. So we found someone there that uh, produced them, and uh, we actually sold them for this certification that we had uh, virtually and in person this October. Right. So yeah. So if anybody anybody needs Indian clubs, the real genuine ones made out of wood, go to. Uh, where do you have them? Deviate Fitness? Yeah, yeah. You can just contact me uh, okay. through Instagram or email, and, and uh, we have a bunch of different... Uh, <clears throat> you, be you better get some serious instruction to go with those things, too, yeah. because, I mean, otherwise, without the instruction, you just got a guitar that you do not know how to play. Yeah, and, and we, we, incorporate, how, we incorporate these into the certification as well. So that's part well, of the... There's a there's a whole market you're not even tapping into there. It's it's uh you know personal protection, right? You throw a couple of those in in the back of uh, your car in the back seat, just in well, case. Oh they were originally designed as weapons, so just in case there's any hijinks out there on the road. Hey, brother, you're in Texas. You can carry a gun. <laughs> Easy for you to say, JP. You got a concealed carry permit. <laughs> Everybody does in Texas. As soon as you cross the straight the state line, you've got one. Boom. Let me tell you, somebody jumps out of a car waving two Indian clubs at me. <laughs> I'm gonna shoot him out of his hand. Now I'm gonna run, I'm gonna run him over with my car. <laughs> right. So what so you're talking about the certification, Phil. Now is that your certification or are you still working with a national organization or no, I am, I am free and clear. Um, okay. So I've, I've developed over the past probably uh, six months. Well, I guess during quarantine, um, I've written a whole manual um, and I've developed a whole in, entirely different way of teaching kettlebells um, from the beginning. And, um, well, and thanks, also, well, thanks for bringing it up an hour and 10 minutes in. <laughs> Oh, we had other stuff to talk about. <laughs> yeah, really? I still have some more kettlebell questions, by the way. Oh, no. Yeah, all right. Bring no, it. No, no. Tell us, tell, so tell us about, no, wait, I want to just hear about this. What is this? You've got, so you've devised a new strategy. I have, yeah. Oh, how, how would you say that it differs? What would you say would be the bullet point? Oh, boy. Without, without, I would say it, it, it eliminates all of the roadblocks and streamlines the, the training process with kettlebells that you typically would face learning the traditional way. Um, so we, and I also emphasize a huge teaching component in the certification because I, I can tell you that I've been to a lot of certifications over the years. And the one thing that, that each of them lacked was teaching. So you can go to any cert and learn how to use barbells, kettlebells, body weight. You can have the best programming uh, instruction, but then the problem I get is that coaches come to me and they go, all right, well, I know how to use this. Now, how do I teach it? 
That's what I really liked about what you are doing because my, my daughter is a personal trainer and mm -hmm. she's been training with Phil for months and months, loves it, just got her certification. And, but the biggest thing I wanted her to learn was, okay, you're learning all this, but how do you teach it back to your clients? Yeah. And that's what Phil, Phil really uh, does. He addresses that. And that's one yep. of the things I really liked. So I came up with a, uh, um, in the cert, we, we talk about a, basically a very simple system that I came up with that an experienced coach can use and a beginner who just passed their personal training exam. And let's say you go into a big box gym, I can use this approach to training my students individually and with groups. Mm -hmm. um, so I talk about that aspect in the certification as well. <clears throat> and I've done, we've done one in person uh, and we did two virtual ones in October that went extremely well. Um, you, you wouldn't think virtually would be the way to go, um, especially learning you know, uh, a different system with kettlebells, but believe it or not, uh, it worked actually very well. Um, you know, you, you, two days on Zoom, you think there's no way I could last that long, but, uh, you know, we, we do a lot of breakout sessions. You're communicating with other coaches, you're working with everybody, um, and we take breaks. It actually goes very quickly. Um, so, you know, COVID has just thrust us into the, the Zoom age. I mean, it's made us realize that so many more things are possible via, you know, video or, uh, you know, virtual that, you know, doctors are doing it. Uh, you know, you guys training and doing certifications and all that are doing it. Uh, Marty and Jim are doing it. Um, so things that we, we were like, ah, you know, I'd rather be there in, in person. Well, we can't necessarily be there in person now, so we have to accept it, but we jump in and go, you know what? This works great, and, there, and more people can do it. Yeah, and, and it gives you a different skill set, and that's what I tell the coaches. I'm like, look, you, you, if, you're not, if you're not online and you're not you know, adapting to what the current situation is, you, you got to learn now because it, this isn't going to change. Even with a vaccine, you're going to have people that don't want to travel. Um, you know, and don't want to be in a gym. So, you know, you have to learn to get good at cueing and, and speaking and being very clear in your instruction when it comes to online virtual training. Um, so, you know, in that cert, you learn how to do it because you're there, you're, you're in breakout rooms, you're, you're teaching people, you're watching people on the screen, as opposed to in person. And you, you have to learn to, you know, it's the smallest thing where, all right, we have to spend five minutes to go over how to set up your camera so that I can see your whole body, you know, like little things like that really make a big difference, um, you know, or asking the student to perform the movement at different angles, not just straight on, uh, you know, all these little things that, that make you a better coach, whether you're using bars, dumbbells, kettlebells, TRX, doesn't matter. Um, you know, you, you have to have the skill. You got to learn how to use it. So that's right. Right. And I think, I think developing this skill just really expands your, uh, your opportunities out there as a coach. I mean, now you're worldwide yeah. basically. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, yeah. we had one person in Australia. We had somebody in Japan, uh, join. Yeah, that's what Kerry said. Now Kerry said when it, the guy in Japan, it was like two in the morning or something, right? It was, I don't know how he made it, man. He stayed up all night. Like it was like four <laughs> o'clock in the morning by the time we finished. I was like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. That guy loves his kettlebells. He does. He does. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. 
Um, was there, uh, so th I heard that went pretty well. I mean, so when's the next one you said? Uh, we have one that we're just going to put up February 20 to 21st. It's two days virtually uh, in, for, in next year. Um, we'll have that listed probably within the week. We'll have it up on my website, on the website and Instagram. And, and so that'll be on your website, which is DV8, the number yep. eight, fitness, right? Yep. Dot com. That's it. Okay. Yeah. So they can get on there and, and always, sign up. I've always wondered what that meant. And now when you say it, deviate. It's different than <laughs> yeah, deviate. I was like, oh, yeah. Are there, are there many things that you're going to change uh, around in, in February that you, you kind of learned from? You're going to change out the... Uh, the presentation or rearrange some things in February? Uh, you know, I, I did three certs. So now I have a, I, I, I'm going to tweak the manual a little bit uh, for sure. Um, but mostly it's going to stay pretty much the same. I mean, the two day format works really well. And what we do is we virtually test everyone the week after. So we actually get online uh, with three of us and uh, I work with you individually for, for an hour and we test everyone out that way um and it works it works really well now i think you you're working on the ceus for this is that right yes we actually just got um we we what we do is we'll provide all the materials you need to to petition mm -hmm. um we just got an email i actually just got an email from a student that attended the virtual they he, uh, she attended the virtual certification and she just got approved through nasm um for the certification so she, okay. you know, yeah, you, you can petition for them. We'll give you all the information you need. Uh, and then you can, you can petition through any of the agencies. Okay. Now that's cool to know because Carrie's NASM. So yep. Yep. She we'll get in there and do that. that. Definitely. Um, what, uh, I, I, I wanted to ask you just a couple of more kettlebell questions, if I could, just quick sure. ones. Um, the, uh, Okay. This is something that always comes up. What's the best kettlebell weight to start with for, for men and women? What do you usually suggest? It's uh, a good question. Uh, so the standard out there now, when you go to a certification is uh, it's based off of uh, your weight. So whatever your weight is, is will determine your tel your test, test bell size. Um, I got to be honest, I've always found that to be uh, not the best way and, and, and uh, kind of um, it's kind of um, it kind of excludes. Well, I shouldn't say kind of it excludes a lot of people from actually learning. So in our certification, we built this based based off of pure strength, not weight, not age, gender, any of that. So you don't you don't weigh in. You don't have to cut weight to get to a certain bell size. You don't have to gain weight. You don't have to do any of that. It's just based off of strength, period. Yeah. Well, I feel that there isn't a, a perfect bell size. It really depends on where your fitness level is um, and what movements you're teaching. Because I, I vary the load constantly for each person because I don't know where they are. Um, right, maybe right. a lighter bell gets them to understand how to move better. And maybe a heavier bell gets them to move better. It really depends. I would say typically, I'll give you a range. I would say... 12 to 18 to 20 kilo for, for a woman will be a good start um, in that range. And then for, 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 for males, I would say 
I don't know, 18 kilo to 24 to 28 kilo depends. Okay. It really depends on the movement. It's a hard, uh, I, I'm sorry. It's not a specific answer, but, um, we forgive, we forgive you next. Yeah. I, I would be, I would, I would never say to you that a 24 is exactly what you need to use for, for a guy or a 16 exactly because it's, that's not true. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, it's like barbell training. I mean, you're not gonna, you're not gonna start everybody on a 135 pound bench press. No. I mean, you know, everybody's going to vary just, you know, obviously naturally. Yeah. So, um, what's the, what's the most common type of kettlebell injury and how do you best avoid it? I would say the most common is probably low back. Uh, a lot of, a lot of people have felt low back when they do a deadlift or a swing and, uh, how you avoid it is simply teaching them the right way. I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, a lot of the people that have developed low back issues have learned, uh, not the best way to swing a kettlebell, um, or they've learned on a DVD or, um, or online, um, as opposed to going to someone who can teach you how to get into the proper hinge position, how to breathe into the hinge position, just like you would for barbell. Yeah. Um, you know, you, the setup is, is important. Um, how you approach it is important. So <clears throat> I would say, you know, to avoid low back issues, you got to work on breathing. How do you, how do you, how do you manage the tension in the hinge position? How do you manage tension when you stand um, and how not to extend your back? how to simply just push through the ground instead of extension. Um, right. And a lot, of that, a lot of that has to do with how well the person you're working with coaches you, how they verbally cue you. Like if I say to you, JP, I want you to swing and I want you to push your hips forward, what are you gonna do? If I say push your hips forward, for most people, they're gonna extend from their low back, mm -hmm. right? So if I say instead, I want you to stand up, get really tall through the crown of your head and drive down through the floor, those are different verbal cues. Right. So now you, oh, okay, now I'm going to just stand upright. I'm not pushing my hips forward. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's a good, that's a good example though, because we're always talking about longevity and all that and the importance of getting the proper coaching right out of the gate, because this isn't something, kettlebell training, barbell training is not something you're going to do for a few months. Really, most of us, at least us guys on this podcast, this is a lifetime thing. It's a lifestyle. You got to get it right from the start because, you know, I'm in my late 40s. Jim's in his 50s. Marty's in his, I don't know, he's way up there, 70 or so. But this is a, this is a lifetime thing. And if you're not doing it right from the start, uh, you're going to have a lot of problems later on. Yeah, definitely. All right. Good questions. <clears throat> Moving ahead. Marty, did you want to add anything? I mean, <laughs> no, I, no, we've worn this thing inside and out, you know, you know, so if somebody wants truly, to get truly, to, if somebody wants to do all this, Phil, they go to your website and get in contact you. Contact yeah. You. Uh, best place to probably be Instagram, uh, Phil Scarito and then deviate fitness. I have two, two pages. Um, I'm always putting up content there and, and all the latest stuff that we have going on. And then my website will be listed on there. Uh, the certification coming up in February. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Check that out. And like we mentioned, if anybody needs uh, Indian clubs, you guys have those too. Yep. We have um, them. And then, uh, and then you guys are, huh? 
JP, do you guys, you carry bells, kettlebells, right? Yeah. We do, yeah. Phil's well, Phil, how do you like our kettlebells, our premium powder coated kettlebells? Well, you ship you shipped me some and um I did a review on it, uh, which I, I thought they were fantastic. And what I particularly liked about them was the handle is actually a little bit wider than most, which which is a huge part where you know you have a lot of people that swing and they always pull their pinky out because they yeah. can't actually grip the whole handle with two hands. Right. So this, this bell through Iron Company allows you to do that and not have to lift the pinky or, or uh, modify your grip because the bell's not made right in that, in, for, that, for the hand width. So, and, and you didn't, I like how you went wider, but you didn't sacrifice length from the actual bell to the top mm. of the handle. Because a lot of bell companies, they, they, they change that so that either they're too high or they sit too low. And it's just not, it changes the complete, it's a completely different feel um, when you do that. So, yeah, I, I very much. this is all the stuff that we think about when we're designing products and bringing products in. You know, a lot of companies would just say, you know, give me what's out of your catalog, what's on the shelf. I'll take one of those, three of those. And they don't understand the feel. They don't use the equipment. They don't know the importance of the little intricacies, like you just said, it's, it's all important. It all adds up. It all adds to a better, uh, training experience. So well, you, you, you needed a bell that your hand would fit. I, uh, I went down the warehouse and I picked up some heavier ones. I got a, uh, I got an 80 pounder. I got a 106. I was out there doing uh, split squats this morning with a 106 and then a 25 pounder, uh, around my neck. I look like a Christmas tree trying to do split squats. Marty, we, but I'll tell you what, it was. We've got to have some video. It Please, was we extremely beg of you. Video. We need a docudrama of that. Marty. You guys will make fun. No, we want video. Around uh, his neck. Around his neck. I love that. Yeah. I'll do it. When I do it for you, I'll be eating a, a brisket sandwich at the same time. Uh, Marty will be in heaven. He'll go, Stacy, uh, look at that. I'm in heaven. <laughs> I got to get out to Texas. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> let's see. Um, oh, here's something. Check out Marty's weekly column, Raw with Marty Gallagher at ironcompany.com yeah. and his latest articles. Uh, he's got all kinds of articles up there. We're putting one up a week. It's everything from resistance training to, you know, he's got a really good one on our site. If you do a search, go to our articles. It's called uh, Kettlebell Training Conundrum. And he goes into a lot of things about how the kettlebell, a lot of the stuff we kind of talked about today, but the kettlebell used as a cardio training tool and uh, in different ways of using the, the kettlebell. Uh, but uh, I, I don't, I have no memory of that at all. It is, yeah, it's it's up here. It's, I was, it it was a good, good one. Oh, good. Oh, of course. Yeah, they're all great. Good. Thank you. Yeah, they're all gems. <laughs> like me. Yeah. Uh, and then for anybody needing kettlebells or power bars, Olympic bars, rubber mats, anything, go to ironcompany.com. Look at this. We've got new Jim Steele articles, and they can be found uh, in our article sections. Um, what's the, what's got, the latest? Oh, it's called Weight Training, what it was really like in the old days. And yeah, Marty, is the, go ahead. 
What's the old days? That well, they're different I, old days for you than, than yeah. They're not as they're not your old yeah, days. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, easy, baby, like, easy, easy, easy. You know, talking about how everything is easier these days as far as learning stuff or seeing somebody do stuff on the internet or a program or book or and we had nothing knowledge, had nothing. yeah. And it forced you to learn on your own. And I think there's a lot of merit to that. And I think even though you make mistakes like that, it makes you a better lifter and a better coach in the long run by having to try, I'm trying Menser stuff. I'm trying Arnold stuff. I'm trying Kazmaier stuff. I did all that stuff and right. you know, it took me a while, but, and had to make a lot of mistakes, but I learned better like that than having it given to me. Oh, that sounds yeah. like a good article, man. It makes That's, me want to read it. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, it's that. I mean, I mean, Jim. Even for us, I mean, that was before internet. That was before, and I lived in Maryland at the time. Lived on a farm, and there was nothing. I would get Muscle and Fitness magazine, and I mean, Marty. I guess back then you were writing all those articles. Yeah, most of them. yeah. Most of what you read, I wrote. Even if it didn't yeah. have a name on it, he still wrote it. So anything that was good, you owe to me. The bad <laughs> stuff, you probably misinterpreted. <laughs> well, when I read. That's Go ahead, go ahead. That's that's back in the day when you you bought weight gainer and it was uh, just basically yes. cake mix th thrown in <laughs> and sugar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mega Mass Four Thousand. That's right. <laughs> that was the name um, of it. I know you're right. It, what what was the one that uh, uh, Bob Hoffman put out? The, oh, the fish. Oh, I about that the other man. day. Protein Fish from of the, the sea. Protein, protein from, from the, the sea. sea. Oh, yeah. Ground up blue blue fish heads from oh. the Chesapeake Bay. Oh. With with sugar. Oh. <laughs> Your filth <who> goes. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, check out Jim Steele's website, <laughs> bossbarbell.com. That's B-A-S barbell.com. And then also. Uh, if you're seeking radical physical transformation, um, yes. you can just email uh, Marty at ironcompany.com or Jim at ironcompany.com for online training. These guys have been doing it for a long time. If you want to bulk up, if you want to get a lot stronger, if you want to lean out, uh, these guys will will get you there. The uh, What's the saying, Marty? The, get there firstest with the leastest? <laughs> Hey, Marty, I'm rereading that book, Shot, Shot All the Hell. Did he leave? <laughs> no, for, you get there firstest with the mostest. Oh. <laughs> the leastest. Well, no, no, you can. You can no, absolutely okay. not. You can do uh, it the other way, too. Uh, you're, you're getting shredded, I see. Mark Chalet got there firstest with the leastest, right? Nathan yeah, said. you know, that's good. That's good. That's good. I see? Guess, yeah, very good. Very, very yeah. good. All right. And then, uh, and then real quick... Um, Phil, you're you're doing um, besides the certifications and the and the group uh, kettlebell training. Are you doing one-on-one -on -one virtual training? Yes, absolutely. Yep, one-to-one. -one, uh, you know, just uh, same thing. Contact me, and uh, if you're interested in attending this cert or learning more about kettlebells or whatever the case may be, um, yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. All right, man. Well, thank, thank you very much, Phil. Thank you. I had a great that time. That was awesome, man. All right, man. Talk to you guys. See you. Bye. Great. Take care.